Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang Hey everyone, and welcome back to Les Hang Out, the podcast where if you hear something unusual, just keep it to yourself, darling. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We want to remind you all that it is season six of our show, which means we have started releasing bonus Patreon episodes. We have two episodes out right now, one for Kissing Jessica Stein and another one for the incredible true adventures of two girls in love. So head over to our Patreon to make sure you can hear those episodes. You also get access to ad-free episodes, our Patreon Discord chat, all kinds of cool things. You can do that at bit.ly slash lesspatreon. We will be hosting a watch party for Better Than Chocolate with all of our patrons. You can join at bit.ly slash lesspatreon. That will be happening on October 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We cannot wait to see you all there. In the Greater Liz universe, have has anyone not watched Do Revenge yet? Because if you haven't watched Do Revenge, listen, gays, A, it is gay. <laughs> it is It's gay. super gay. There's like at least three queer, like legit queer, like characters, right? right? There's probably more. I feel like I'm forgetting more. The gay jokes were also cracking me up. Like, there were some very specific gay jokes that yeah. I was just, like, eating up. Yes. It is incredible. My hawk kills it. Also, listen, I'm I'm not going to say that Ellie and I are not discussing whether we should do a should have been gayer on um, everyone shipping <laughs> Dre and Eleanor together. We love our toxic revenge mommies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, whatever she says revenge mommy, I... <laughs> I could not. Also, like, I'm literally... <laughs> a lot. Me, me and Jana were watching it, and <laughs> she's obsessed with Uma Thurman, like, as aren't we all? And there were so many moments where she was like, that's Uma. Like, Uma is on my screen. I can't handle it. <laughs> so, like, everyone's having a time with Maya Hawk, and that's okay. And the, it was so good. It we're just so here good. to tell you you should watch it. That's all. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Do Revenge. It's great. Also, in... <laughs> In a completely opposite uh, <laughs> type of television. I was for reading film. for the segue, so yeah, I just yeah. wanted to know what was going to happen. Um, we want to talk about Peppa Pig, who have yeah. the first lesbian polar bears. Like, whoever thought we would be saying that Peppa Pig has lesbian polar bears in 2022. Like, Incredible. so progressive. So exciting. <laughs> Listen, if you want to know how exciting my life is, is did I legitimately watch a trailer the other day for the live action Peppa Pig show that's like touring and coming to the Orpheum in San Francisco to be like, could we take the girls to this or would this freak my wife out too much? <laughs> what was the what was the answer? I think it would freak Kelsey out too okay, much. Yeah, yeah. They're like big puppets, but then it's like, you know, you get the people in like the all black who are like walking them around the stage and stuff. And then it, it's, it looks weird. Too I weird. don't know. It looks too a little weird. weird. But, that's okay. but I'm excited that but it's, if they it's getting gayer. Bears, you know? Do your kids watch Peppa Pig? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so they're gonna be Big so excited when they—they're gonna be like you. They're gonna you and Kelsey need to dress up as polar bears for all the week. Oh, oh great, great. Looking forward to <laughs> it. I love it. But yeah, I I never I have never seen Peppa Pig, but I'm very excited for this uh, progressive <laughs> representation it is, on our screen. Peppa Pig is kind of a weird experience of a kids show. I will say yeah, it has its moments. I'll, it has its a, moments. Get a little weird and watch it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we'll like see. do some sort of drug and watch some Peppa yeah, yeah. Pig. Some yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But that's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. 
Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode four of season six for the ghouls and the gays. And we are even more excited to be joined by a very special guest today. We have Zach Barrick, who is a young transgender actor and musician from the northern suburbs of Chicago. In summer 2019, Zach showed up as one of the first out transgender actors with a featured role in a Marvel film in Spider-Man Far From Home. He also appears in the musical finale to the landmark Amazon series Transparent. And this year, he has his first lead role in Netflix's animated show. I won't even say upcoming because it's out now. Dead End Paranormal Park. He's a comedian and a public speaker talking about trans issues and representation. Hey, Zach. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited. We were talking before you logged on. Like, we are obsessed with Dead End Paranormal Park. Why <laughs> is so it so cute? cute? Like, I why is it so it. cute? Yeah. It's no, so great. It's one of those things that, aside from being something I'm obviously deeply honored to be part of, I have just been, like, super excited about how people have felt about it. So it's really, really neat getting to hear that. And, uh... Yeah, I, I, as an audience member, have enjoyed watching it. And as a person who got to be in it, had loads of fun. So I, that sounds like yeah. a soundbite, but it, I am just like <laughs> really, really geeked about it. Like, I don't shut up about it. And it's been well over a month since release. As you honestly well, should, maybe, shouldn't. Don't I know you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, it is on Netflix. It, the first season is out now. It's 10 episodes. They're, what, like 20, you know, short, like 20, 30 minute episodes. And it's all about two very queer teens at a haunted theme park fighting demons. And like, it's cute and gay. And what more could you ask for And also life, honestly. with the talking pug. You forgot about Pugsley. Oh, I'm so sorry, Pugsley. How could I? <laughs> Slash demon. <laughs> Slash I'm demon like, king Temelucus. I mean, yeah, I was like, how do you pronounce that? Yes, honestly, so good. Also, let's just let's just talk about the show really like to start off. Like the, one of the biggest things about it, obviously, is that it's one of the first shows that has a trans lead. Like, how has that been for you playing that character? I go out for these roles all the time. And I don't typically go out for leading roles. This was the first time I went out for a role that was going to be top build ever. And I've gone out for a lot of trans roles. So that was huge because without, you know, potentially talking on other talking points that we might get into, there's obviously bigger desires I have as an actor than just playing one type of thing. But if I'm going to play a trans character, I A, need it to be done well well written and b i do want it to be meaty i do want it to be substantial so that was huge for me um and then just like as a fan like being able to point to something that has a translate feels huge because i know it meant a lot for my parents to watch and see certain aspects of the storyline and i think that's kind of the goal with this kind of media outside of being entertaining outside of being allowed to tell our stories and have fun and be creative there's nothing kind of more silently educational than having the audience surrogate and straight man, quote unquote, of the mm-hmm. show be the trans guy. You know what I mean? Like that is just about as like sneaky as you can get to being like, hey, we're humans. And you know how I know? Because you're following this character as though it's you. So and because that's just what television is. So, yeah, that was. Well, and really when you neat. talk about like silently educational too or like subtly educational like man I mean this it just it hits so many marks you know in terms of like normalizing so many things in terms of like it's showing in really like nice like I keep thinking about like the the dinner scene with the parents at like the western restaurant you know where it's like I mean I know that's been like probably the most gift scene I think from the show of just like that moment of Barney being like you know okay sure like you're supporting me but like that's like the bare minimum that like parents are supposed to be able to do for their kids you know and I think that it's like just having characters where I mean you know like we talk about this all the time just in terms of like queer rep in general where like yes you start to see like more queer rep, I think before you really kind of start to get like these types of representation, you know, of being like, hey, it's not just about like having these characters. It's about like portraying 
them correctly and like having them say the right things so that yeah like when you do have whether it's parents or whether it's their kids like watching and like getting to see that and hear it said out loud that like that's the stuff that starts to get through you know like that's such an important thing to have a have a trans character say like on your tv show and that's enormous yeah and it's given i mean it gave me vocabulary to talk to my parents which is funny like I had never really considered, I knew, you know, and I, and I think this is just true for queer people. Like we probably have a more expansive vocabulary on a emotional intelligence level, which is not like me being like elitist and saying we're smarter (laughs) on emotional level. I think some of us are quite quite dim, me included, (laughs) but I, I just like, I think that there are words I probably would not and rhetoric I would not have otherwise had. If I weren't queer, that being said, it's not always accessible to folks who aren't in the community. So getting to do a kid show, we had to make language that everybody could be relating to. And I say we, I did not write it. The brilliant, (laughs) wonderful writers did, but they wrote it. So, I mean, you know, they managed nuance without beating us over the head with it. You know, they're not screaming like we're trans, use my pronouns, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey a subtle thing you could do is back me up when someone doesn't use my pronouns. You know what I mean? And that's such a, and it's, and he doesn't even say those words. He just says it's when someone is being hateful, like it would just be nice to know you have my back, which is such a relatable thing for a kid, no matter what their identity is. And it was really cool. Cause I was talking to my mom today and I was like, yeah, uh, we were talking about something and I told her, I was like, you know, I did an interview recently where we were talking about that scene and, we were just talking about how like nobody asks to be born and that sounds grim, but I just mean like, if you're going to bring a kid into the world, like be prepared to do all the things that come with that. And sometimes it's not just rent and food, it's emotional support. And in that on some level, that is your obligation and it is the bare minimum to accept, but it is expected that you do more than that. And I've always felt entitled feeling that way. But I think that's like a systemic problem. Like, I don't think it's entitled to want your parents to back you up when someone's mean to you. If another like parent came up to you on the soccer field and was being like crappy, they'd be like, don't talk to my kid that way. And I I think we're just saying, can you do that that in this scenario, too, because it feels just as bad. It's not entitled. It's you're you want to be able to like cry in your parents arms when you feel sad. So it was cool to have someone help me articulate that in an accessible way. And now when I'm talking to my mom, I'll be like, you know, that's the bare minimum. <laughs> and I think she's <laughs> miserable about it, but also she's very receptive because she's like, oh yeah, I never thought about it that way. And, and, and she's not necessarily as bad as Barney's parents, but it's just like helpful to be able to reference when there are moments, you know, in our lives that we can use those scenarios to sort of mirror. Uh, I love it so much. I love that whole scene. I also, I mean, I know we like, we kind of like dove in so deep so fast. I'm so sorry, Ellie. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, it's great. <laughs> but I, because I know you'll love this because I know how you are with found family stuff. But like the other thing I love about that scene, and I think because it's, you know, the thing when for me, like watching the whole season is I love when stuff is just so authentically queer and like everything like just top to bottom this like I mean we can talk so much about like all of the different little like queer sparkly nuggets all throughout it but like one of the ones to me in terms of like this whole story revolving around found family and like this little you know like family that Barney and Norma and Pugsley and Courtney make with each other but I love when Norma shows up and the parents are like oh like actually this is a family discussion and then Barney's like so is this like that little moment of just being like this is my family too now like family can just be like a trans guy and his you know like anxious lesbian and or bisexual friend I'm not completely (laughs) clear on normal sexuality and a demon uh, (laughs) and like a a demonic uh, speaking dog and a red demon uh, chaos baby like that's a family too mom (laughs) I'm like yes no precisely yeah Yeah. honestly the best kind yeah. <laughs> yes. Every friend group has, right? Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like every queer friend group does have a Courtney though. Like, let's be real. Even though like Courtney is a demon, Courtney is very relatable. Yeah. She's so chaotic. <laughs> well, like, I, I adore her. <laughs> I like I really relate to aspects of her. 
she has so little emotional regulation. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I think she really to me speaks to like inner child feelings. Like she mm-hmm. so much feels like the inner child that I am always responding to. And you're not allowed to do what Courtney does in response to those feelings, but like you want mm-hmm. to. Like the most like when they're all in line in the episode 22 minute, 22 minute wait time. And she's like, won't shut up about how hungry she is. That's like very much like when you're at an event with your parents and you're hungry and, you know, and as an adult, I want to do that all the time, but I can't. And I think there's something like really beautiful about watching that, like, like having the personification of like childhood feelings that we all have to like measure and meet, meet her out as adults or whatever. And also that she's very, I, I think we've all been the person who said something at the wrong time. Like, but like, not now, Courtney. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard that. I'm familiar with the, I'm familiar with the, with the response of the responses I get to deflecting or, <laughs> or having poor time with my jokes. So it's very, there's so much about her I love. And I love a character that's like truly rotten and truly soft all at once. Yes. Like, uh, truly like, I don't know. I'm like chaotic good, but also like question mark on the good, but like yeah. chaotic good ish. Good ish. Good ish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like if there was a <laughs> if there was a category, if the, if you had like the chaotic instead of like good neutral evil and it was like good, it was like chaotic whatever and then chaotic again. She feels very much like chaotic chaotic. Like yeah, that yeah, is the intersection. Yeah, yeah. yeah, double chaotic. Um <laughs> Like, I almost feel like the good and bad is subjective. Like, she's still learning that. So there's almost, like, no way to measure it as much as you can be, like, I think just baseline chaos and everything else is vibes. Like, (laughs) she's like, oh, good and bad is a vibe. We'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I do truly love, like, the characters are so, are just so great in this. And I love to, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about Norma as well. Because, like, in the same way that Barney talks about being trans in a way that I feel like is very actively queer, like Lee's saying, like, not shying away from it at all, but in a way that's so just, like, a part of the story. And so people who are watching it are just, like, immersed in that. I feel like Norma is neurodivergent in that same way. And so we get to see also this neurodivergent character, like, with anxiety in a way that I think particularly kids of this generation I'm are very anxious. Like, that's very, very, like, important to... Listen. Like, that episode really, like, I loved the way that they handled Norma and her anxiety in that episode. Do I feel a little too seen by... I knew you would. ...queer me. character Norma, whose whole thing is, like, literally my nightmare is the real world. And I'm like, oh, no... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Norma. <laughs> yeah. But same, I hear She's... you. Oh. <laughs> but I love the idea of like your anxiety being too much for a demon to handle and just being like, I will fight you with the power of my broken brain. Ha ha. <laughs> and I'm like, great. It's a superpower. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that was so beautifully done like I it's one of my favorite episodes of the whole series and I for so many reasons I think like the kid in me so excited to do something that also build on coming and then also like the whole voice cast and I thought it was really balanced like the lightness of like Logs's fear or Badia's fear about the hamsters like it's so goofy and then you're also <laughs> like oh wait and some people have like really intense discomfort yeah. existing in the world and it felt really cool, especially because it comes right after the episode where Barney comes out. It felt like it felt like a really good way to talk about the fact that, like, yeah, some of our identities live on the surface or are things that are very pervasive in terms of how our families interact with us. But some families don't acknowledge neurodivergence and don't acknowledge anxiety or, you know, deal with kids that have mental health issues. And it felt really cool to be like, hey, this is something that also has to be talked about. And, you know, not even necessarily in this heavy handed way, but in a similar way to like, so I saw a lot of people online when Barney's introduced, they play the song by Cave Town. And a lot of people were like, oh, that was the minute I knew he was queer. Because I think a lot of folks really like know that artist is like a trans queer artist. And similarly, I think there were cues early on for Norma being a person who like, isn't necessarily neurotypical. And 
I think that's part of what makes it very queer. Part of what makes it very accessible is that like, you know, some of the things that are queer about it aren't said, you know, or overt, but that there's something meaningful about acknowledging it. And as much as Barney's the like, you know, main character, Norma is too. And so there's this other aspect of looking through the eyes of a character that is deeply anxious and being like, either I see myself or I'm starting to empathize with a person who experiences the world that way. So like, I all really love that and also relate more with Norma than Barney on that episode by like kind of a lot. <laughs> so I was like, I love Barney. Being able to take a deep breath and just walk through anxiety has not necessarily been my experience, but I think there's something really cool about seeing the two of them interact in that episode. Sorry, I went on for like a billion years, but. <laughs> no, I think it could be my favorite episode too. I, I want to really say it is, but then also done. there's the musical episode and you know we're yep. a sucker for a musical episode. Yes, oh I mean, my God. come on. Do you want to talk about that, Lee? <laughs> I do. A, because I didn't actually know it was coming. Like I, I did very little research before watching the season. So it was really fun to just have that kind of like spring out at me all of a sudden and I'm like he made them sing thank you Pugsley and then like everyone just starts singing all these like ridiculous super fun songs and they're so like okay not only do I love a musical okay you apologized for for going off like welcome to my now 10 minute like venting uh, yes. like you know spiel <laughs> on the musical episode <clears throat> settle in everyone so <laughs> Here we go. I loved I not only love a musical episode but I love because so much of the show, right? Like there are so many little nods to so many things all over the place, right? Like some of them I think are going to be the more obvious ones, like when they recreate the little Jurassic Park scene with the kids in the Night Hag episode. And you're just like, it's always good. Like, I don't know why anyone ever thinks this is going to be too overdone. Like it never gets old to watch people recreate the raptor scene it just doesn't so it's like stuff like that but for me i loved the nod in the phantom of the theme park song where they're like clearly rip riffing on like every time they get to that like that they like changed the little like instead of getting the right like you get the like the new little like um riff of it and they like wrote and it's so so close but it's like you can tell how it's different but you know like your brain immediately is like i i see what you're doing there i know it and i love it and i was just like i'm i'm sold i'm sold i'm here for it i'm here for watching barney sing his little gay heart out to his little crush on logs i'm here for like courtney singing with her whole little like up no down there <laughs> like you know it's just it's I loved it. Anyways, I, I have yeah, felt nothing. Yeah. For it. <laughs> also, Lee and I are big musical theater people in general. So like you will always get us with a musical episode. Right on. Always. Yeah. Yes. yes. No, same. Yeah. Um, our, our showrunner and some of the writers are like that as well. I've gotten quite close to Hamish and um, Mia is one of our writers. And I have been like, if you ever do more musical things, put me in it because I had so much fun working with them on something that was so queer. And and Hamish even messaged me after that recording was like, I actually got, like I wrote a lot of this episode and I got really emotional when you sang the song to Logs because that's just not a thing in cartoons. Like I've just never watched a boy sing to a boy. And I didn't even let that like wash over me because there's something really cool about it, right? Like at that point, we're kind of not even talking about the trans thing anymore. We're talking about like, okay, I have a crush. And we're not even talking about the fact that it's like a queer relationship. We're just like, okay, this person is really awkward and can't tell their crush, which extremely relatable, you know? And I also love it because it feels like such a, like a thwarting the like hyper, like hyper sexualized, hyper like confident gay man who can just look at someone and pick them up like the very old episodes of like queer as folk or the old l word episodes where it was just like we have like one really confident character and it just was... do some poppers sweat on each other a bit and, like, <laughs> yeah up in the bathroom, yeah and listen right? to yeah like, no exactly why is this so hard yeah 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 um <laughs> <laughs> and it was we like did oh, not no. think this episode was gonna go there season today, two season yeah, two dead end is what's coming happen. it had to i have to you know i have to i have to maintain my i have to be honest about who i am which is yeah. a person who consumes media that is wholesome and media that is absolutely chaotic and like also like lives in that space in a really genuine way like you know i have 
a very fulfilling like life as an adult but I like geek out over the kid shit and it was like so cool to be like oh my god I remember exactly how this felt like having a crush you know I I went to boarding school before I came out as trans I went to an all-girls boarding school and I at the time identified as like a bisexual or like a lesbian and I was very okay this will be cool because like probably I can come out because it'll be safer and it was that was exactly my experience but prior to that I grew up in a town where there were really nobody was out. There was one kid who was out. I mean, he's out and about on Facebook now, but who was openly gay and he got bullied. I remember being like, so this will just be between me and my best friend. I told her verbatim. I was like, I will die with this. And, and I, here th- you are. No, I know. <laughs> now, I, now I am publicly, like, are, yeah, 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 yeah. publicly trans. And Get your mic a little grave, closer yeah. so that everyone can hear you, you know. And Just. I remember my first crush ever was this girl that I had met at one of my friend's birthday parties. And I told a few people and I think she heard about it. And she kind of stopped talking to me. And I don't know if it was related. And I don't want to put anything on her that, you know, isn't warranted. And also, I'm going to be honest, I was better for it. You know, like I, nobody it was very freeing to me to understand that dating people who weren't queer would be miserable anyway. I remember how nervous I felt having a crush on someone that I was like, it's very possible you will never ever look at me that way, be it because of sexuality, be it because, you know, I'm not your type, whatever it is like. And so it took me back there because, you know, once I transferred high schools and it became so much more visibly who I was, I mean, I cut off all my hair, (laughs) like was just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to lean into it. But yeah, I I had forgotten, and it's a privilege, and I've been a little spoiled, what it felt like to be not sure the person that you're digging is into you because the only way that I've dated in adulthood is either very shyly being waiting to be approached first because I'm not confident, you know, about approaching people and never want to make anybody uncomfortable or famously gave someone my email as my only attempt in the past few years to like ask someone <laughs> for their number, but it's a joke among my. Did you try LinkedIn? Wait, you, know. <laughs> you did. Are you on like, LinkedIn? Did they email <laughs> yeah. you? Did they? No, of you? course not. I think she <laughs> thought I was. I really think that she thought I was curving her because, like, she walked me to my car and, like, it felt like was like probably in retrospect, like making some moves, and then I was like. Okay, well, if you want to catch up or have any other questions, because I was doing a work thing prior to that. I was like, here's my email, which does not at all. (laughs) That's not a move. That's not not. a move. No, it's not. So, but I was like, like, I don't want to. He's not interested. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) I just like didn't know how to take up that space. And now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now I'm starting to learn it. But, you know, so it was cool to watch Barney do it because I was like, that is what you can do. You can just be like, hey, I like you at school. If not, you know. And that, yeah, and that coming out as like a queer person in adulthood too, because I had to come out again. It was like, I went from being a person who was more or less viewed as whether it was fully the nuance of it, like viewed as a lesbian, you know, I had short hair, I was quite butch and I only dated women in high school because that's who I went to high school with. And then I came out as trans and it was like, okay, now here's my sexuality again. So getting to do Barney was cool because I was like, you know, he's this guy who is interested in men. Like, that is something I can relate to. He might not only be interested in men, but that is who he's into. And like, we're focusing on that. And that was also very freeing because I think it's easy to internalize homophobia once you like deal with the gender stuff. I think it's like, so it was like, good. I was like, I'm really glad I'm playing a gay character because I think publicly being able to talk about it will be neat. And they don't, they're so, um, like, it doesn't really hit on anything concretely. You know, like nobody in this show ever really has like a strict label applied to them outside of Barney being trans. Like nobody ever says anything. They don't identify, self-identify, like have someone else talk about them like in in any specific way. You just kind of get this very clear like Barney has a crush on logs. Something is happening with Norma and Badia, you know, like it's just sort of there, but it's not it doesn't really feel like it needs it feels the need to spell itself out. You know, which is and, like, how that's queer also people talk. So, yeah, like it's so refreshing, you know, to just not have someone have to be like, well, as a lesbian, like <laughs> look, another another lesbian has entered yeah. the room. Maybe I should um, yeah. have a conversation with her over here. Right. Like n- there's none of that happening. It just doesn't it like doesn't exist. It's just sort of like, yeah, they're teens. They have crushes. They're crushing on each other like there's clear blushing happening and there's clear awkwardness happening and there's clear like Courtney trying to nag logs and you're just like oh my god that whole scene also like let's just I love what are you that, doing I love to that in that scene right so they're in the line for the doctor love or whatever it's called and 
Um, I love, too, that the two people behind them are also a queer couple. Yeah, the little lesbians. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. And they're like, oh, we're really rooting for you, but, like, you're really You're struggling. making a mess Listen, of I will argue that everyone in Dead End is queer, except for, like, Barney's parents, maybe, which, like, I don't know. His mom shaved her head. Like, we don't know. We, yeah, we, don't, we don't hear know. sexualities for anyone, but I'm like, everyone is queer because, like, look at everyone you meet in this show. Like, Barbora, you're trying to tell me that's not a whole dyke? Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> like, like both, she's gay. <laughs> both of the hags also. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. No, and it was, like, the hags were, like, the funny... That made me laugh out loud because I was like, oh, I see what we're doing here. And that I love that I was like, queer people are going to love this. That I was like, I know that this is not going to read when I bring it home and watch it with my brothers and my mom, but that I can go to my apartment with like my neighbors and good friends that are all queer and I'll be like, oh, I see what y'all did. And that also like what you said is so true because none of us sit in a room and go, and I'm gay by the way. Like we don't introduce ourselves that way. I think I watched an episode of Shameless where they go around the room and they all tell they like introduce themselves to a new character and everyone, not only do they tell them their pronouns, but they say what their race is and also like who they're attracted to. And I was like, we do do that sometimes to let people know that we're interested in them. Like I've definitely been like, yeah, I'm bi because there's a more so in high school, but there's a person in the room and I'm like, Oh, I need them to know that, you know, other than maybe that. And I've maybe hopefully grown out of that in some capacity. (laughs) I think there's a hope that like you can ask someone out or be like, I'm interested and if they're not homophobic, they're not going to be like, ew, I'm not gay. Or why would you assume I'm gay? You'd just be like, oh, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I'm not interested. And that is how it should go. And I think the implication or the hope of the show is that like any of those characters, if Barney had logs out and logs wasn't gay, if we're rooting for logs, logs isn't going to go, ew, I'm not gay. <laughs> you know, the reason right. we can assume <laughs> that it's okay for Barney to have this crush without any danger is because logs is a good person. And he'll just be like, yeah, yeah. not interested. You know, he doesn't even have to say I'm not gay like it's just like because that's just what when you're not interested in someone that's just what you said so yeah I totally agree with you sorry I was like and I just like I love that I agree with you and 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 Angelica Ross played one of the lesbians which I thought was so fun because I had oh seen that God. she was gonna be in it and I was like I, I wonder who she's that. gonna that's be incredible. and when I found out she was an nosy lesbian I was like see that works like I love that that's like awesome. fierce wait like, so yeah. their names are nosy lesbians in the credits it's something like that I think <laughs> That's amazing. That is incredible. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Incredible. Yeah, no, I love it. We actually, this is like so not even, because we're diving so hard into the queer stuff. I wanted to talk a little bit about the spookiness of the show. Oh, yeah. Right, because we're talking about like, the whole show is about demons, is about like, this haunted theme park, right? And I do feel like, I think I read actually um, an interview with Hamish who was like, horror is like inherently queer. And I was like, that is so valid. And it's like basically the idea that these two teenagers understand these demons more than anyone because they've are they're like oh yeah we've been othered ourselves Mm -hmm. and so i just like i i also love that as a thread for the whole show i think it my understanding of that started when i read the comics actually so interesting there's a lot of differences and i don't want to spend too much time talking about it because i know that's not the show but i for i will just say i'm a huge huge fan of the comics because they are a slightly more adult version of the show um with some tweaks in the narrative and the character there's other characters and such but it is it was like the moment I realized Hamish was brilliant because I was like, oh, this is how you do horror, right? Like it's transgressive. 
it's subversive and particularly when it comes to evil versus good. Like it's showing you that characters that are demonized, literal demons can be the hero. You know what I mean? Versus the characters who might be quote unquote human or whatever, or what have you, that there are like power dynamics that exist within marginalized communities. There are demons who can uncuff Courtney and there are angels who put Courtney in cuffs as a reveal, you know, at the end we hear MJ Rodriguez's character at the end when she takes the car- the cuffs off Courtney goes, those aren't demon cuffs, those are angel cuffs. And you go, huh, how, well, that's weird. What What's the involvement there? So, and in the comics, that's such a large part of it is understanding the, yeah, the, the subversion of like, oh, maybe the angels suck or maybe they're not inherently good or there's some complexity about good and evil. And specifically using the plane, the interplanar, we're going on an elevator between planes and up is angels and down is demons. Like there's something there, you know? So I just was like, this could be about class. This could be about queerness. And it is. And I think horror always has been. I mean, there's the response to horror has always been sort of like deep, like within the queerness or the queer community, but be it because of camp, uh, you know, pinhead or, you know, what, what have you, or because the narrative feels really applicable to our lives, you know? And you kind of have to, with the horror that doesn't, you kind of have to queer it in your head because otherwise the message is like, don't have sex. <laughs> and like all of the old, <laughs> all the old horror movies, it's like the virgin survives and it's like, oh, okay. yeah. You know, and so if yeah, you don't. And then you're like, well, the queer person survives. That's what we're saying. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah, like that. Yeah. No, exactly. Like that's a lot. Le- so, okay. So Rip plays a lesbian, right? Like we can all agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But also, can we just take a hot minute while you're talking about, I don't know, this is probably just me like dating myself now. But something about the context of having like the, oh, like if you go up, it's the angels and like down, it's the demons and like, let's have a musical episode. And I'm like, what is this show, Xena? Like, where where are we? What <laughs> year is it? What's happening right now? I mean, now? I feel like, but like so much has been inspired by like Xena or Buffy or like just so much media in general, right? Musical episode of Buffy is like a demon Give Norma makes a staff sing, is what I'm saying. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, and and there's lots of Buffy. You can tell there's so much Buffy influence. And Tom Lank, who is in Buffy, is the character Hawks, who hosts the game show in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas in July, which is also Incredible. one of my favorite episodes uh, written by my good friend Mia. And it is, yeah, and I was just like, well, that's amazing. Get, literally getting someone from Buffy in this is just the cherry on yeah. top of the fact this is clearly largely an homage to pieces of media just like that. But there's also something that's so, like, again, having gone in, like, pretty blind to this, that opening scene where uh, when Jennifer's, like, running through the house and then, you know, you get that little, like, jump scare uh, attack when she disappears and stuff. And I was like, like, how genius to make, like, an animated horror kids show. Because it's, like, it's, it's spooky enough You know, like, it's not that the horror doesn't work in it. It does. But it's also, you know, like, my wife watched with me and, like, she is not a horror person, (laughs) like, whatsoever. Like, I can't get her to watch anything that's, like, super scary with me or or anything, like, at all. I mean, Ellie, you're not a a real big horror person either. either. I don't like You know, and so... I'll watch Jennifer's body. But it makes it accessible. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, same. Fear Street. You you made it through Fear Street. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. That's genuinely an awakening for me. I remember Jennifer's the first body, time yeah. where and when I watched that movie for the first time. Sorry, anyway. I watched it <laughs> well, again. Well, you can like, come yeah, back can and back just tell us that story. But right? I like, did watch it. I watched it again like a few months ago. And like having it so recently in my mind, I was like, wow, I this movie, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. It was not yeah. appreciated in the time that it was, it was created. That's all. Yeah. And it should have been far more appreciated i love it oh 100 percent, 100 well and and without getting too much on a tangent it really made me when i rewatched it lately or recently we watched it like last year and we every halloween we do like some horror movies and we have to tread lightly because my one one of my friends is not a horror person so we're like well this one's fine and it's gay you'll like it and they're always like yeah i liked it it was gay <laughs> so yeah, something's gay yes. enough we can usually sneak it in but we were talking about how and with the Princess Diana movie coming out too. There were a lot of young stars at that time getting like vilified for like affairs or being like sexualized, sometimes out of their control, right? Like Megan Fox never was like 
super like in interviews did anything to warrant it not that anybody deserves to be shamed for it but like nobody was necessarily overtly sexual in their interviews or anything but if they like did one thing they were like everybody was like oh they're just like a pretty girl who doesn't have talent and isn't smart and i mean she's brilliant in that movie i to the day i die will talk about how underrated her performance in that was i just like an, in a world where queer people could were a larger part of the academy <laughs> like and this would yeah. have been a different situation like <laughs> instead you know. of i feel like it has like a horrible rating online but i agree like yeah well and diablo cody wrote it and was like nominated for juno and stuff there's absolutely no reason that movie shouldn't have gotten at least more you know i'm I'm not saying it necessarily needed to win an Oscar, but like she's an acclaimed writer. And it's like, oh, the minute you make something queer with like a sexy woman in it, everybody's like, well, this isn't art anymore. This is right. like for yep. this is for everyone for boys. Everyone made, everyone made fun of Megan Fox for it. But yeah, you watch it and you're like, why? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's like, it's she's magnetic. It. Yeah. Magnetic. I was like, oh, I'm in love with Jennifer. And I still am, like, to this day. But, like, yeah, no, it was, it's a really interesting movie. But I'm so sorry we got so... No, it's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's the, that's the perfect tangent for Listen, show. my my whole point <laughs> is, I think, um, making horror accessible, whether it's Jennifer's Body or whether it's making it a kid's animated <laughs> yeah, series. completely like, similar shows. Very, just the same thing. Same vibes. Basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, No, but I do. I just, I think it's great because it's, like, you know, I mean... I can definitely see how, like, there are going to be ages of kids for whom, like, it will still be too scary. Mm -hmm. But I also think that it's so fun to, like, get to have, get to have a show that just, like, can open up so many avenues in terms of, like, the things that it's presenting in an age-appropriate way, you know? Because that's what I love about it is, like, we, I mean, you know, like, we, we as queer people are familiar all the time with the idea that it's, like, oh, like just the idea of sexuality or uh, or queer topics like that's not appropriate for kids you know and you're just like why like you know they're like you can't mention your wife like that's inappropriate and i'm like well, if it was my husband it wouldn't be though like i don't surely you can see that's insane and so i feel like it's the same thing where it's just like hey like actually you can make horror that's age appropriate for like for you know like kids to watch and like enjoy and like maybe they'll find it a little scary because there's like the jump scares and the things and like but it's not super scary you know and it's like and you can have age appropriate queer characters and that's okay and like and some of them can be chaotic demons and that's okay too and like it's just everything's fine here like just leave us alone in our theme park and like go away (laughs) (laughs) you know if you have a problem Take it up with Pauline. I don't know. Right. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> well, and I and I I was thinking about it, right? Because like people talk about this, and I actually think Hamish maybe talked about this in an inter- interview that aging horror is an interesting thing because you're gonna get no matter what you put in a show, you're gonna get age groups that don't that find it scary, but it sometimes doesn't make sense, right? Like, so there's this thing about how if you drop a cat from high enough up, you will stay alive, but if you drop it from like lower, if it doesn't like turn enough times, it'll get hurt, even though it's falling from a shorter distance. I don't know something about terminal velocity. I really don't know anything about it. But every time I think about this, it pops into mind because you can make something so scary that doesn't at all scare little kids, but scares like adults who have inhibitions around that thing. And like vice versa, you know what I mean? You can make something that doesn't scare adults and scares little kids. My mom was terrified of Snow White when she was younger. And I find that so fascinating. And I think that well, I've watched it recently and I was like, oh, it's the queen. Like the uncanny mm-hmm. valley, her eyes. I think it's something about the animation. Her eyes don't move right, but yeah, just like that movie has never scared me even as a child. So it's also like the context of the world now versus then. The things that are on television now are so much spookier inherently, or more gritty than things then. So I probably am subject subjected to things that would my parents would never have been able to watch as children. And so you know, it's a hard thing to age. But I will say, you know, my niece just went to Disney for the first time, and she was really, really hated Gaston. And thank God. I was like, I want to know who she's scared of. Because I was, I thought maybe the mascots or something. And she, that is the only one she detested. She was like, I don't like him. And I was like, excellent. First of all, her name's, <laughs> her name's Daria. And I don't know how to break it to my brother <laughs> that he gave her like a lesbian. I'm like, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Wait, but, um, they, they like the show? No, they, they named, um, they did like kind of a play on um, my 
it's so gendery. So they, which I love, I love them to death. And this is not a criticism, but uh, <laughs> my grandfather was Seymour and Debbie's grandfather was David. They both passed away very shortly before Daria was born. So they named her Daria Sydney, which was supposed to be like David Seymour. And you know what? I'm just glad they didn't name their child David Seymour because that's a yeah. 80 year old. <laughs> that is, that is a, that is not the name of a child. It's the name of an, of a, of a curmudgeonly old man. But I will say, um, you know, the, the point I was trying to make is while she was afraid of him, she was also fascinated by him. She wanted to see him just so she could be mad about it. And I think that is like how I got into horror was like, because I am fascinated by it. And I think that kids should be allowed to explore that if they get spooked, like, and, and have a nightmare, like, yes, you don't want that. That's not ideal. But if it happens, it happens. And they learn something about themselves. You know, I, I used to be so scared of Chucky. I don't know why, but that was a recurring nightmare for me. Now I like think it's a really can't be fun franchise, but I learned something about myself, which is, Oh, I am like afraid of like the uncanny Valley, like things that feel inhuman. And then now as an adult, I can parse that as, Oh, because you can't connect. You know what I mean? The, the, the part that's eerie is I don't know how to have a conversation with something that isn't really human and can't empathize, you know? And I know that's all a little bit advanced and we don't have to read that much into it, but I do think every piece of information you get about yourself to be allowed to have access to. Yeah, exactly. I think we should. I used to have recurring nightmares about the animated Two-Face in Batman. So like, what does this tell us about me, Zach? Help me. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want anybody to be part purple. Okay. Because it's like kind of purple, right? I I do actually prefer my humans to be human colored. Yes. Yeah, no. And I, yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. No, but I, I, I get that. So yeah, I do think it's interesting. And I do think it's an accessible horror piece. My mom wasn't spooked by it, which was great. But I think it is still, it still is, you know, it is horror. And I also like love talking about the fact that horror doesn't have to scare the bejesus out of you to be horror, yeah. because horror is, like I said, it's it's all of these things historically and has such roots in like, gender and, and sexuality and um being able to say like a thing can be dreadful without maybe necessarily being jump scary is really interesting. I mean, Ari Aster, who's doing like movies like Hereditary and, and uh, Midsommar, Midsommar, how to say it, uh, like mm-hmm. has put to screen things that have like made me so uncomfortable. I didn't finish Midsommar. I-, I watched the first scene and I was like, nope, I do not have a weak stomach. <laughs> but he put something to screen that I never wanted to feel again. And I was like, and it was not even the horror of it. It was like, the interaction that I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this interaction between Florence Pugh and her boyfriend immediately after this first tragedy in the movie happens. And they're both going through something because she's like, nobody was listening to me that something was wrong, which is a horrible feeling. Yelling at the wall and having people not hear you is like one of the most helpless feelings. And he was like, I'm trapped in this relationship. And those are both feelings that I, that I have fear. Like, and I was like, Oh, I don't want to watch this movie, but it had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with the horror part. It was everything to do with the emotional part. And that is good horror to me. Like, and I yeah. think that Dead End evoking as much emotion as it does about good and evil and romance and whatever, what have you is like inherently horrific, you know, even if it's not scary. Yeah. And, and also because there's so many things where it's like the, the thing that should be the scary horror piece is actually not the, the horrific part of it, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, I keep thinking about like Temelukas, where you're like, okay, Temelukas is supposed to be this like giant, terrifying demon king, but like he's constantly being projected through Pugsley. And so you're right. just like, you are a ridiculous you're so puppy. You're like, so you're so cute. cute. <laughs> and it's like, how am I supposed to find you scary when you have that right. silly little snarfly face and those little eyes glowing and you're just adorable with your little good boy hat? Like, I can't. Oh my God. You know? When he loses his good boy hat in <laughs> the elevator, that cracked me up. My good boy hat. My good boy hat. <laughs> He's just, I mean, it's like you can't, it, so it, it tames it so much and it it opens up so much room for other things and i'm thinking too about like the pauline reveal you know because it's like so uh, i mean listen like i could i could also um just go on a whole ted talk about the character of Of Pauline pauline and how i'm like listen like pauline the diva who is a ghost who refuses to die who is just like i need a new body to stay young and hot and like and who is played by a drag queen and i'm just like everything about this everything like about just it. yes so just, yes amazing <laughs> it's, like, it's 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 um it's what i wanted like in horror movies as a kid like i just wanted the reveal to be like this is about vanity this is about cuz that's to me the spookiest <laughs> thing too is people who are like 
so obsessed with like vanity that they lose their humanity i think that's why death becomes her is one of my favorite movies is like great so that vibe and i think it's a really interesting critique of like queer heroes that's one of my favorite parts of the show. It's Norma's relationship to Pauline. Yes. Is one that's, of the but most- that's exactly what I was going to say is like the scary part is not that Pauline is a ghost, right? Like it's not that she's a ghost that's scary. It's what this means to Norma. That's like the horrifying part of that episode and like watching her come to terms with that and run away from it and like just it it's so it's like the ghost itself is there but like that's not the horror piece you know and i'm just like i love like i love having all of that sort of constantly be being flipped on its head you know to like to to just open it up for something that's like deeper because yeah it's like yeah it's not that it's not that she shows up and is green and you're like oh no like right <laughs> she's just she's what this means like on an emotional level and yeah, on like a, a human level yeah <laughs> well and that there's so much conversation to be had about queer heroes too because right like i think there's this obvious parallel to dolly parton in the like it's a theme park kind of like a country yeah, yeah. M- music star but dolly if we zoom have. out a little bit <laughs> it's like if we zoom out a little bit um having like this like being a mogul and having like a franchise or an empire and then maybe being like really meaning something to a lot of people but maybe like the person themselves being like a little evil is like so true about a lot of queer things like I think about like lots of things I loved growing up and I think okay there are parts of this that are so problematic but I still needed it to have the Mm -hmm. experience of joy and relating to something (laughs) growing up and there are people like that that I won't name who are big huge (laughs) staples of queer television who do things that I would really rather them not do and say things I would really rather them not say sometimes. And it doesn't mean I I, I still need to consume the media sometimes to stay sane in our world because it's something I can relate to and see myself in or get joy out of seeing other queer people. And you know what I mean? In that we need to learn how to like find meaning in things and then like, you know, raise up the correct people involved or, you know what I mean? Um, And that also that people are complex and make mistakes. Like, I, I, I don't know that Pauline's the most redeemable person given all the kidnapping, but like that there is a difference between people. Right. Yeah. You know, sure. um, but that there are degrees to which a person can like do things that are messed up and try to redeem themselves. You know, that there's just like, I just think it's such an interesting conversation and it's like without bringing the like buzzwords into it because I would really rather not. I, I we talk so much about like redemption and in and, and, like apologizing. And I just I think we're getting to the point where it's like, I don't know if we can spare soldiers for lack of a better word, like in the fight for good. So like getting better at being like welcome to the fight instead of I can't believe you ever felt that way is like something I'm really working on. And I and I think Pauline at the end contributing to trying to help them. I don't know that it makes up for that anybody should trust her ever again. Or that she should have, like, some wonderful career. But I think that she, then as a person, gets to, or I don't know if person's the (laughs) non-corporeal being, gets to sort of have at least... sure. Yeah, yeah, can sleep with herself that night. You know, if if ghosts do such things. (laughs) If ghosts sleep, yes. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like, there's just, there's so much about the show. I'm also just, like, really excited for everyone who's listening like if you are listening and you have seen the show like yay i'm so happy for you that you got to see it also if you haven't seen it like please 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 watch it because also like in the same way like there's there's this like now it's cool to see that there's like a few animated shows that we can name that have queer rep right but we still need to be supporting the ones that are the new ones that are coming out so we can have more seasons like yeah we need to figure out what is the deal with those angels so like here's hoping we get get more seasons yeah but yeah i really hope that everyone will listen we're gonna head into our q and gay are you ready yes q q q and gay question number one what was your first summer job a theme park b fast food c ice cream or d camp counselor yes i worked as a bus boy at a um, burger restaurant in my hometown. Nice. So fast food, technically, yeah. I was also fast food. I worked at um, 
a burger place as well. Oh, right on. Yeah. I guess mine, mine would fall under class. camp counselor then because I my first ever like high school job was um, it was in the back of like a, a gym in town and they had like a whole like kids section and parents could bring their kids there for birthday parties and then you had to like occupy and feed and you had like game section and like an arcade and like oh it's great put, good times yeah i should have put like <laughs> child care on there too maybe i'll change c too yeah i think a camp counselor, camp counselor works, works, fine. works right it's, fine. Yeah, it's in like, that it's in that thing i'm like i think i was a babysitter before yeah, I, I think I did worked that well. at a burger place, but I feel like that like not that yeah, that's yeah. not a real job, but like my first job where I had to like get paid punch like, a clock sign, yeah. sign a W9. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 OK, question two, Zach. Have you ever seen or felt a ghost? A, yes, B, no, or C, not yet. Not yet. I mm, have thought I did. I've seen some very convincing um shadows off of coats when we first moved into our current place we thought a small victorian child was here just because of the um Makes shadow sense, yeah. of a fan and a coat combination how, how old's your building <laughs> well it got redone but i think that's i that that's how they get you they're like don't okay. worry it's new and it's like no it looks new <laughs> but that's not how spirits work they live in the walls you're like you know it's not new the earth okay yeah you can paint over lead you can't paint over yeah. spookiness no um, me and my friends stayed in this Airbnb in Plymouth that was like old as hell. And at one point during the night, the electricity went out and we're all sitting eating around the table and the lights just completely went out. And I'm pretty sure it was only in our, in the house we were sitting cool, in. Cool, 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 cool. It was creepy as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nope. that's why I said, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a ghost, but I feel like I've felt some spirits ha- around. All right, question number three. Who is your favorite demon? A, Courtney, B, Temelukas, C, Zagon, or D, Hawks? Courtney. I, I, I almost said Hawks because I think that he is so charismatic and he's just doing his job. He's obviously very evil, but uh, from a <laughs> yeah. camp standpoint, so much fun. But I just, I just, Courtney is just a little bit of all of us. So that's probably my final answer Courtney's the best question four are you more of a night hag or a day hag oh I mean I'm a night hag in that <laughs> I am a, you know that thing they say like revenge procrastination like if I didn't do things during the day I'm like up all night being like why didn't I do things during the day <laughs> and then like being like I guess I'll do 10 crosswords in the archives of the New York Times app but I really love daytime I, I I'm just like very much one of those people that's like when the sun's out, I feel better. So I am a day hag. I am. Mm-hmm. I just, I like to be like edgy. So I think I want to be a night hag, but I don't actually think I like the night that much. I'm a night hag. Hardcore. I like, I literally like won't wake up before like 12 p.m. Really <laughs> like, ah, no. <laughs> All right. Question number five. What kind of theme park rides are your favorite? A, loop-de-loop. B, water ride. C, horror ride. Or D, death drop. I like all of them in, 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 in moderation. I'm, it depends on my anxiety level for the day. Sometimes I go to a theme park and my, I am just like on edge and I'm like, I can't go on a ride. My head will fall off. And I really believe that. And then some days I'm like, I need adrenaline. So it does depend. But I would say if I'm going with my family, a water ride, because it is, it is entirely sabotage based, which is to say like, it is a game of who can we get the most wet by any means possible, be it like getting one of us to go up on those, like, you know, kind of like ledges and shoot water at people or what have you. If I'm going by myself or with friends horror, the Haunted Mansion is one of my all time favorite rides. And if they ever make a scarier version, I'll be the first in line. Not that it isn't on its own pretty spooky, but you know. (laughs) Nice. But I want the bejeebus scared out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Tower of Terror. Ooh, such. And I love Twilight Zone. So that's a great ride. That's a good one. I like, I think I went on that one. I was like, seven or eight and i was like i love this ride my, <laughs> grand- my grandmother was on it with me and she was scared shitless she, like yeah. she was like never again <laughs> well that's such a like you know kids kids sometimes they're just braver you know you, you just like love what you love oh absolutely yep. i don't think i could do ha- like the way i used to do you know theme parks when i was 
16, 18. Like, you just can't do it anymore. I think I'll get so sick on a roller coaster now. Yes. Like, I used to love them. And I'm like, I'm nervous to go on one, actually. I yeah. think I will be motion sick, but it's okay. Dude, especially, like, think about how many years I have until the girls are going to want to do that shit. And I'm going to be like, no, I'm old. Mommy's old. Too old for it, yeah. <laughs> you go. Mommy's just going to sit here and eat all your snacks, okay? Like, get out of here. Yep. You're going to be the child swap. Remember, listeners, you can also give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A questions on our Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. Zach, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It was so yeah. lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you for having me and and for your patience and everything like that. No, it was oh, this was yeah. so much fun. I love talking to you guys. That was this has been like probably one of my favorite interviews because it's just like you're just we're just chatting. <laughs> like yeah, it's so we informal. Just, we just nice. hang out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just hang yeah. out. Yeah. For our listeners, tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Where can they follow you on all the things? Yeah. So I am on Twitter and Instagram. At Zach Barrick. So it's just my name, Z-A-C-H-B-A-R-A-C-K. That is where I post updates about work, uh, any upcoming comedy shows or speaking events or television or film projects, as well as pretty much anything else, including like adjacent projects. So I am technically on TikTok, but I never make any. I've made four TikToks and uh, two of them, I think, are unwatchable. And one of them is uh, just a clip from Dead End. So feel free Amazing. to follow me on there. If I get if I get some juice in me uh, soon, maybe I'll make more. But yeah, that's okay. Perfect. I totally get that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a TikTok is a roller coaster of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to do this thing, and then you're like oh, I just don't feel like it, and it's okay. oh absolutely. I, I can't do a trend. No, I yeah. can't. But I love... Some, some days you're just like plugging in the ring light. It feels like a lot of work. I don't know. <laughs> so much work. So much work. I was so Thinking glad we did this these when clips the sun so out. Because I was like, I can't put the ring light up. I got to do it while the sun's out. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. We have the best time. And everyone who's listening, make sure you watch. Watch it again if you have already. You know? Yeah. Take yeah. care. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. Let me hear you say hip, 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 We love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community. So we just like to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. This week, we would love to shout out um, specifically our listener, Katie, who also works at 54 Below. And we got the chance to meet and hang out with after our show in New York and just had the greatest time and Katie, it was so, so nice to meet you and get to learn more about you and your brother and all of the <laughs> all of the other things. I'm like, what? I mean, to be fair, like <laughs> Lee and Katie were just like hanging out for like we, listen, two hours. It was awesome. We were having a blast. Um, They're next the time, exact same height. I know. I love another small. You know I do. I next guess. time we're in New York, we're just going to hang out again. It's going to be great. So, uh, yes. yes. Also, we want to shout out Bridget, who reached out from Australia and I know I sent an email back to you, Bridget, but Bridget reached out, devastated by the Teenage Bounty Hunters cancellation, which, like, I get it. Still, right now, we're all devastated, asking what her and her friends can do to save the shows. Unfortunately, it's there's nothing to be done for Teenage Nothing that we this, know of. Which there's is so <laughs> sad. Which is so sad. And honestly, it hurts um, my soul. We but went, getting we that went... email hurt my soul so badly because I feel for you, Bridget. Yes. Like, there is, and, and I want you to keep that gay fire that's like, let's fight for these shows because we should, but, you know, use it for whatever shows are canceled now because they're always there, gonna be new ones. There is a hole, a teenage bounty hunters shaped hole in our hearts that will forever be there. Um, we do want you to know that the we we decided to do the, here's the small part we can do, which is try to cast Devin Hills <laughs> and everything and we do. of our own things, which is why Devin Hills will be in Journey to the Heart because we a- adore her and Maddie and we just want to see them do all the things. If we hear of anything more <laughs> that we can do for Teenage Bounty Hunters, we will let you know. We'll let you know. We also need to shout out one of our uh, one of our listeners, one of our patrons, one of our friends, Zet, who t- just, listen, A, got to meet Haley Kyoko. B, took a, fo- a photo with Haley Kyoko in... Our lesbian Jesus shirts peak, and sent us that photo. Um, and C also told Haley Kyoko about our show and tried to to tell her that she should listen. So Haley, 
if you're, Haley, if you're listening, um, listen, hit us up. <laughs> we love you. Please. Love to have you on the show. Also, we'd love to send you your own Lesbian Jesus shirt. Like, if you want one, please just email us. We'll be like, oh, my God, yes. Have Here five. I don't I don't even know where <laughs> for every day of the week you need a shirt. But so incredible set. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love it. And as always, we want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons. If you want to get a Lesbian Jesus shirt and be like Zet, all you have to do is be a Lesbian Jesus patron for a certain amount of months and you get a t-shirt. So can't complain. We'd like to thank Mark Foster, Tanya Ferguson, Jacqueline Rosashino, Sarah and Julia, Alana Rosen, Lizette Stye, A.D. Benitez, and Fiona W. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Julia Gonzalez, and Leah Henley, thank you all so much for your support. We could not make this show without you. Remember, you can also find us on all social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Let's Hang Out Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. You can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We also have videos going up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. Les Hangout is an independently produced show hosted by us with audio production by me. Our production assistant is Kristen Murison and everything else and especially Twitter shenanigans by Lee Holmes Foster. If you want to help support our little independent team, the first thing you can do is leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It, it helps new people find the show and we love reading the reviews. Lee, did you know we have almost 500 reviews on iTunes right now? That's bonkers is that crazy i That's looked crazy. i don't know why i looked earlier today and i was like we have 425 reviews insane and most of them are five stars baby <laughs> <laughs> killing it if you want to support us you can also do that on patreon at bit.ly slash less patreon we have really exciting things happening this year with our patreon we'll have one new bonus episode pretty much every single month of our new season we already have two out so far so if you just cannot get enough of Les Hangout, make sure you subscribe at bit.ly slash Patreon. You get ad-free episodes. You also get access to our Patreon-only Discord chat and our Les Essentials watch parties. We will be hosting a watch party for Better Than Chocolate with all of our patrons. You can join at bit.ly slash Patreon. That will be happening on October 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We cannot wait to see you all there. If you want to get some merch, we have all of our designs up in our tea public. You can get them on tank tops, on totes, on t-shirts, on sweatshirts, on all sorts of stuff. And you can find all that at bit.ly slash lesshop. And remember, we have a queer production company making queer podcast musicals with guaranteed happy endings that you can find everywhere at at dollarbeanprod. You can also check out our website at dollarbeanproductions.com. You can listen to all the episodes of our first show, The Flame, on any podcasting app. And if you want to help support us in making those musicals, you can also join our Patreon specifically for Dollar Bean Productions. You can find it at bit.ly slash dollarbeanpatreon. If you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And let's, and let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out, out.